yes, yes. This is The Butcher Shop. I am Joe Shasky, The Butcher Boy, here with Anthony the Rock LaRocca. And there is so much drama to talk about today <laughs> in Warrior Land. There is Giants news. They signed a new GM. Actually, a new baseball president. President of baseball ops. And then you have the 49ers. But let's start with the greatest dynasty, maybe in Bay Area sports history, in my opinion. And that's the Golden State Warriors. Rocco today. Actually, let's let's take a big step back. Last night, during the middle of the Monday Night Football game, which you and I attended, and we'll talk about the Niners in a second, lots of drama in this Warrior game. Obviously, they were getting handled by the Clippers. I went back to the Hyatt with Bonte, with our ladies. We were watching the game, and I just noticed that like it just they just looked off. They looked off. It looked like the Clippers were giving them all they could handle, and then some. Uh, Montrez Harold was all over Draymond Green, especially in the final four or five minutes of that game. And I thought Draymond was extremely flustered and frustrated. And I thought the entire sequence of plays down the stretch was a bigger microcosm of things that have been kind of simmering below the surface. That's the way I took it. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the salaries. We're going to get to all of the drama back and forth. But specifically in the play last night, Draymond gets a rebound that bounces on the floor, off the rim. He starts sprinting up court. And you could tell KD was visibly upset. And I used this word when I was describing it in a group thread, pouting. And I heard Greg Papa bringing it up all day today. He said, KD pouted that he didn't get the ball right away. And I just, they didn't even get a shot off. It was like four guys on Draymond. Draymond fell. It was reminiscent of the Western Conference Finals last year against the Houston Rockets. And Clay was open. Other guys were open. I love Draymond. He's a great play, a playmaker for this team. But... After that, visibly, you could see KD and him were upset with each other. And the funniest yeah, part of it is that just, they started to go at it on the bench. I just wanted to step in. Before we, we delve even further into it, I do want to say, as far as the pounding goes, hey, was he pounding? Yeah, probably. But at the same time, what do we praise Draymond for? His basketball IQ, right? That ball, that rebound, bounced. K who, who was right there? KD. Yeah. Okay, first he didn't let KD get the rebound so he could push it up court by himself, right? Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Then to compound on that, he didn't give the ball up right away. No. Now, no. what are you doing in any situation if Steph is out? Who's the guy taking the last shot? KD. It's KD. Okay, so, I mean, and I'm a big, you know me. I love Draymond, but we praise his basketball IQ. He knows that ball goes to KD immediately. And if not, you take a timeout right away. So, Well, that's where Steve Kerr, I was frustrated with Steve Kerr because I know what the thought process is behind, hey, let's catch them when they're scrambling. And I like that in theory with Steph on the court. But without Steph there, and especially given the context of how hard Draymond was going, and it was like Draymond was trying to prove a point against, uh, against Harold, in my opinion. Now, I could be just wildly speculating, but that's the feeling I got from watching him play on that play. And it's like, Draymond, know your role. Know who you are on this team. Know the situation. Know who's around you. Like, it, it just didn't make much sense. And, and to be fair, KD, even if you don't get the rock right away, dude, Figure out a way to put yourself in position so that you do get that pass back, you know? Because I think he could have been the trailer on that situation. So the play aside, Draymond made the wrong basketball play, in, in, especially in that moment of the game. Because not all situations are the same. That's the first quarter or something like that. Okay, yeah, no problem. But I'm trying to steal one on the road against the Clippers when well, you're playing uh, not that great. Well, that's the other thing people aren't talking about, the emotion of that game, right? It's the Clippers. We hate the Clippers. 
We're not a big yeah, fan. Yeah, but it's a different. Montrez, it's a different version. Montrez Harrell, like you said, is bringing that energy. When somebody yes. like that brings the energy against us, and then we're not getting calls on top of it, I felt like the uh, bald-headed referee Mark Davis missed a lot. <laughs> He's the one that that I mean, he he got rid of KD, got him his sixth foul. So I think that had to do a little bit with the the emotion of the game. Yes, and and when those two get heated and really into the emotion and of the game and angry it seems like they are both similar guys and they just butt heads they just can't handle it and, well, and then and then it escalates it escalates and i feel like they sort of know how to push each other's buttons and then Dray- draymond i think just went over the top but i also think rocco like there's a bigger chasm here like this wasn't just and I believe in it. I believe in creative tension. I believe in Barry Bonds and Jeff Kent choking each other out in the dugout and motivating each other like you're talking about. I believe in Draymond and KD, you know, having words on the bench. Like, that's that's natural. I'm, I'm okay with all that. Throwing an unreal tirade, dropping the B word left and right like he has supposedly had done. I mean... Like, let's be honest, Draymond has a track record of this. And clearly, look, I did not think it was a thing until the suspension was handed down. And then when the suspension was handed down, I was like, clearly where there's smoke, there's fire, and this has gotten out of control. You know, like, I just don't, I don't see how the organization, if they, in their heart of hearts, there's no way in hell they ever would want to suspend Draymond for anything because then that gives more credence that there is an issue. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, this was a last resort. It, I think it had to be done though. Like, like he he's he just took it too far. I, I think, obviously, you know, you, they haven't talked, whatever, you know. And I just think he took it too far. He let the emotions, his his emotions, get the best of him, and it came out completely wrong. And you know, they 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 want to resolve it in the locker room right away, immediately after the game. There's no way in hell that was ever going to be resolved in the locker room after the game, and then he gets suspended, and they're not going to see each other for a couple but, but of days. So, of course, it's not going to get resolved. But this one does feel different. Rocco, this th- one that, does that's my feel point. Different. So that's my point. This was not about the play. The play was one caveat that opened up a bigger wound. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, the bigger wound is this. It is a financial domino effect when it comes to the Warriors. It's a salary cap league. There's only so much money to spend. Clearly, Steph has been earmarked, five-year deal, he's inked, he's good to go. The Warriors' ownership and brass feels like they've been held hostage, and so does the roster, by Kevin Durant taking these one-and-ones, these one-and-ones, these one-and-ones. It's like being in the final year of a deal every single year. And you've seen LeBron James, what he did with Cleveland and the Cavaliers there. It's the, 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 the frustration from Draymond and other people, I bet, around the situation is that, hey, man, we've been sacrificing. I thought you were signed up with us long term. What's the deal? And here's the other little missing link to this. Draymond looks around and he goes, well, clearly this organization feels that Durant is more important than I am. And you know what? That's the right basketball decision. Kevin Durant is more important to the franchise in winning championships than Draymond, especially not just now, into the future. Draymond's already got the shoulder injury, and this is the other part about it. Draymond feels he took a little less off top at the beginning of this contract situation three, four years ago, and he's the only one who has 
lots of injuries. The shoulder injury, he's never recovered from. I told you before, man. The guy can't shoot. He couldn't shoot before. He is literally so gun-shy. He cannot shoot. I think he's wrecked damaged goods. I truly do. And I love Draymond. It's the nature with which he plays, the chip on his shoulder. But I think his frustration is that he's looking around, and it's kind of like musical chairs, Rocco. He's going to be the guy when the music stops who's going to be on the outside looking in. He's the odd man out. And that's yeah. sad to say, but it's, I feel like it's the reality that no one wants to bring up. And I feel like all of this was him being frustrated that KD's getting the money that he thinks he still deserves. And he, I don't know. I just feel like well, that's I, where I it's coming from. I think on top of that, to expand on that, it, it, he's the guy that wanted KD. He's the guy that called KD or texted KD. Absolutely. He's the guy that recruited him. And I think he probably feels, I got this guy here. You guys... I got this guy here. We got two championships as an organization. You sort of owe me. Like, you should be backing me. But like you said, of the big four, he's on the bottom of the totem pole. He could feel it. At the end of the day, if you have to make a decision between KD and Draymond, he knows in his heart of hearts. Even him himself probably would say it. I'd take KD over me all day long. And I just think... At this point, we always knew KD the past two years would re-sign. It's so up in the air this year. The tension. Yes, and I, I just think, and Draymond probably feels it too, that even if we play out this year, I'm gone. Absolutely. And, and I and just think it festered, and, and he feels he probably feels betrayed, let's be honest. He feels he probably feels betrayed, underappreciated, yes. And, and did he take a little less to get KD here? Yes. And like you said, he's breaking down. But the it, way it, he plays the game, he's breaking down. It, it's like, it's like the Bill Belichick. Let me get rid of the guy, or yes. the Bill Walsh. Let me get yes. rid of the guy before he's of no value to us. Rocco, and once you sign the extension, those injuries pile up. You can't move him, and then you're stuck. Well, it's not just that. It's also it, it's it's the domino effect of if you were to move off of Draymond Green. Now, this is, he's not the, the, the perfect comp, but you could get a P.J. Tucker for relatively cheap. Now, he's not as good as Draymond, but the drop-off from, from Draymond Green to a P.J. Tucker type and the drop-off from KD to insert superstar, like that's a big drop-off. KD's that good. He, if he's not the second, he's the third or first best player in the NBA. Would you agree? No doubt about it. And the thing, the thing if you decide... To let KD, or not let KD go, but if KD leaves, there's no guarantee another superstar is coming to you. And there's no compensation. And this is where we're getting at. And so what I think is going to end up happening is Draymond got this year and next year left on his deal. I honest to God think, and I, you know what, I hope I'm wrong on this. I'm not wishing this. I'm just saying that if I'm the organization, Joe Lakeup and Bob Myers have been sitting in a room for the last two and a half years since they got KD. And they've worked out every scenario. If Clay doesn't want to re-up, this is what we're going to do. If Draymond acts out of control, because remember the, the nut-kicking situation in 2016, which cost him a title. They have every scenario set up, and they, I guarantee you, have contingency plan upon contingency plan. So what I'm thinking is, and again, I'm just using reason here. I don't think this is a hot take. I sincerely think that if this thing cannot be repaired, I can see Draymond getting moved so they could get some compensation back. And I'm telling you right now, I'm looking at Anthony Davis right out of the gate. You know that that's the number one piece everyone's looking for. Joe Lacob's always trying to swing big. Like, 
I'm I, I, if I'm playing the domino game of I can only keep so many guys. I'm moving off Draymond right now to go get someone who's under control immediately to try to resign and take up that max spot. I mean, am I reading this thing wrong? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. I I mean. I think that you might let it play out to the end of the year. There's some big free agents coming up. Can you do a sign and trade? Can you do something like that? Can you pull that off? But it's it's just going to be interesting, man. I, right. I I don't know how it got to this point, but it got to this point it's, because it's his money. It's Draymond's money, and Draymond's looking around the organization, going, "Look what I've done for you. What you guys don't respect me." And I heard. From a very credible source that inside the locker room, this was from the security guard who travels with the team, I heard that Draymond said, you know, something to, or uh, KD said something to the effect, you know, you cost this team a championship, and I got here and won us two championships. And that rubbed Draymond horribly wrong. <laughs> of which course, makes I mean, sense. Y'all, no doubt about it, especially when, you know, Draymond, probably the littlest, littlest thing will pop him off, and it, it was a huge thing. I want to backtrack a little bit. I, I forgot what I was going to say. Let's be honest. But the Joe Lake of Bob Myers thing, the, the, the calculations that yes. they have, they were planning on going after KD. I guarantee years, you. Years if they, in advance. Exactly. I guarantee you if they didn't get KD, they were ready to shift gears and maybe wait a year, go get a Paul George. Yes. So they're always a couple steps ahead. So like you said, they have this planned out. I think they, they've put packages together that they were – they're willing to do to get somebody back and i wouldn't be surprised if draymond's name is in trade rumors coming at the trade deadline or you know if not the offseason i i think he's almost as good as gone i think the writing's on the wall and but here's here's the thing can you allow it to play out if you're the warrior ownership and you're courting kevin durant and and you do feel kind of held hostage because you do want him to resign with you are you willing to run the risk of further alienating Kevin Durant with Draymond being around? Or, you know, uh, do you just just ride it out? Or do you, I, Like, there's so many well, different d- directions to go with this. Do you get what I'm saying? For, I, I totally understand that. But for me, I think you got to run it by the face of your franchise, Steph Curry. I think he holds a lot of weight in this. I think you do owe it to these players, this group of players— to see what they want to do, and let's not forget, a there's a point. big, there's a big six eleven guy sitting on the end of the bench, still waiting to come back. Boogie. So yes, I, I don't you want to see the the Draymond, Clay, KD, Steph, Boogie lineup? I think yeah. you got. I think you gotta. You gotta figure this thing out. You gotta let them play it out a little bit. But it, it's tough. It's it'd be tough for me as a fan to see Draymond go before we even saw this big five play together well i i i hear you rocco and i I get what you're coming at i'm curious to see how draymond takes the suspension i'm curious to see like looking at bob myers in this press conference tonight and steve kerr they both looked like just aghast a loss for words bob myers looks shook to me he looks shook for the first time i've ever seen him he looked baffled and it reminded me very much of like a Keyshawn johnson to insubordination we've had enough that's what but, it reminded me of. See, for me, I read it as him, Bob Myers, and Draymond are boys. Dray, Bob Myers has has said it before. He's like, you know, he looks at Dray, at Draymond as a close friend. So I I think it's hit him that I might have to make this real hard decision to move on from Draymond and possibly lose a friendship that I think he values. 
Yeah, but that's part of being a GM. That's part of business. Like Joe Lacob, Joe Lacob is ready to move off of anyone and everyone, bro. Well, I like, think I think that's Bob, why he's the cold, calculated owner. I think Bob Myers will make that decision. He has to because he, he, in the end, he is the GM. I just think it's hard. It's hard for him. He, you, you build bonds, you build relationships. I think it's going to be very difficult for him to do it, but it's what's best for the franchise. Well, that and that's and that brings me back to the end. It's like if we wrap it in a bow. If you're asking me in a vacuum, remove emotion, Draymond, Kevin Durant, it's no question. I'm rolling with Kevin Durant for the next however many years he wants to sign up. Even if that means I'm losing Draymond Green forever as a warrior. Like that's, unfortunately, you have to make those hard decisions because KD's just a more dynamic player and he does more things to help you win a championship. Like straight up. It's just he's a the, straight up. He's the second best player in the world. You don't let that go. No, you for don't. a guy for a guy that does a lot of little things, but that, but that doesn't mean you don't appreciate Draymond and for everything I, he's given us and all that. Hey, like, of course I, don't, I do. I, I don't want this to come off like we're we're picking on Draymond. You no. know, you no, know, just, I am a huge the night we drafted huge him. Draymond fan, and the I would we drafted hate him. to what see him. What did you him say? What did you say? I was calling his name out since I wanted him over Harrison Barnes. I, I wanted him over Festus Azili. I couldn't believe he fell that far. When we got him, I, I, I was ecstatic. I, I was know. ecstatic. The guy was putting up triple doubles in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that doesn't just happen because you don't know how to play basketball. So I, I would I would hate to lose him. But at this point, I think that's what it might have come to. I think he might have sealed his own fate, unfortunately. That, that's what I think. And I'm curious to see what his demeanor is like after this. You know, I'm curious to see what, what – Kevin Durant says after this, I'm curious to see what Steph does after this. Like, is this, to me, this doesn't feel like, oh, it's an isolated incident and we're punishing him for this one act all in its own. I feel like this is a cumulative effect. This is, this is many, many, many things brewing. This is many, many acts that he's done behind the scenes. Like, you just don't pull this one. This is, I'm telling you, man, this, this, this feels like the end of the relationship with Draymond. Whether that happens in July after the finals or whether that happens in the next coming days, I don't know. And I hope it doesn't, but it feels like it is, Rocco. I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. It, it, it's very unfortunate. And I'll tell you what, this this flight to Houston and this game in Houston coming up very is interesting. very, very interesting because there's players on Houston that get under our skin, Chris Paul. P.J. Tucker, Harden. I mean, it's going to – emotions are going to be high, and hopefully those emotions get let out against the Rockets and not against each other because it could be be a tough one. It's going to be very interesting. Well, it's it's very interesting on many levels, and it's the first crack that – there's legitimately some massive tension. Massive tension, and this could derail it. It, I will be very interested to see where this goes, you know, especially considering – this is the greatest run of any Bay Area franchise ever right now. I mean, there are four straight, essentially, championship game series. That's what they've been in, four straight. They've won three out of the last four. They're going for three in a row this year, four out of the last five. It's – it's. I, I just feel like this is probably the most difficult decision they've had to come up with. And in many ways, it makes me appreciate how non-dysfunctional they've been over the last few years because if this was Lakerland – if this was any other organization, man, I'm telling you, this would have blown up a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah, I mean, they, they've swept it under the rug very well. I mean, there's been bits and pieces of explosions, but not, not those never, 
I'll say it again. Those never felt like this. This That's feels. That's what I'm saying. This feels different. It feels a little personal. Yes. And uh, it, it, it's sad but true. It could, it could be the end of a dynasty. Dynasty, if not, not necessarily the end of a dynasty, but the end of this group, this yes. season or in the off season. And I'd hate you know to see it, but but. Rocco, you know what it reminds me of, and this is my my equivalent. It reminds me in a different way when Joe Montana got hurt in the NFC Championship game against the New York Giants and the Niners parted with Roger Craig, Ronnie Lott, and basically told Joe Montana to take a backseat. And the team was being handed over in a new direction, not just to George Seifert, who had took over two years prior, but to Steve Young, you know? And it just ushered in a lot of new players with Jerry, with Steve, with some holdovers, but then we're going to cycle in an entire new squad to keep this thing rolling. I don't know if they can do that, though. I don't know... I mean, I still think that they have a championship core, whether they get rid of KD or get rid of Draymond Green or keep the band in t- together. I, they still have a championship core to me. Like, that's how awesome the rest of this team is. Well, yeah, you have Steph. Steph is a generational talent. And uh, as long as he's here, I, ha- I have faith. But it's hard finding superstars in the NBA. It, it's not easy. And, uh, I mean, we had to you know time everything out just to get kd i mean the cap spike the you know the not signing of harrison barnes right a lot of things right a a lot of things had to fall the right way to get a second superstar they don't grow on trees that's why it's it's we're walking on a fine line here absolutely and i feel like the national media is taking so much joy and oh they love it they love it they love it and you know what i love that they love it because we're getting even more attention we are we we totally are. That's funny. All right, that gives me a good transition. Last night was Monday Night Football. You and I sat in the sickest seats we probably ever will sit in in our life. What was that called? The HNY Club? No, BNY Melon Club. The BNY. How awesome was that last night? It was ridiculous. It was it, ridiculous. It was so much fun. I was. I'm so glad you guys came. But uh, we got to see the New York Giants versus the 49ers. And we'll keep it short and sweet on the Niners because I do want to talk about the Giants with you. Uh, I I like uh, Nick Mullins. I like what I see. I think he deserves to continue to be the starter. It was announced today that Kyle Shanahan will continue to have him as the starter. Uh, but the 49ers blew another lead in the fourth quarter. And it was just, there's a lot of little plays that you can isolate and say, oh, this was the play of the game. Oh, this was a big play. It, to me, it's just the same old story. Missed opportunities, taking a field goal when you know you need six, yep. allowing a team to march down the field effortlessly, continuing to be in zone in very horrible down in distances and letting someone like Odell Beckham Jr. get behind the defense in the red zone, scoring an easy touchdown. Like, he's the one guy you got to mark up. And then the stupidity of a veteran player like Malcolm Smith Taking that penalty on third and forever on Saquon Barkley, grabbing him, it was just almost inexcusable, almost inexcusable. And there's a lot of little things with the officiating, the spotting of the ball. I don't know if you saw that with Mike McGlinchey taking that that horrible penalty. A lot of little things that I just really frustrated me, but I am getting frustrated for Kyle Shanahan. I still think he's a great play caller. I love what he's doing with Matt Breida. George Kittle's an absolute superstar. Fred Warner, I absolutely love. But my God, like Dante Pettis looks terrible. He looks terrible at wide receiver. And I really like Dante Pettis. Marquise Goodwin, get down, bro. Get down. Know the situation. (laughs) It reminded me of Cedric Wilson. And then, like, again, you you get into certain situations and you take a back-breaking sack, a back-breaking turnover pinned into your own. Yeah, you know, it's just 
It's hard to evaluate the team with a backup quarterback, but I am getting frustrated. This was a winnable game, Rocco, and I just I wanted to beat the New York Giants. Yes, I'm right there with you. It, it, it is frustrating, but for me, you know, I'm, I'm watching the NFL, and, and for me, the sign of good coaching that's in place is we're not giving up. We're in a lot of games. We're battling. Is the bar you know, that I'm low? Watching, yes, it is. It is. Let's be honest. I mean, would you rather be a Raider fan? That's I the mean, worst and team watch, in the league. But look what they're putting out. The players are, are – there's like quotes after the game. Oh, Mutiny. we got it. We got to get the f- fuck out of here, right? <laughs> so, so for me, like I'd rather watch a team putting in the effort. They're, the effort's there. They want to win. You know, the coaching staff wants to win. I could appreciate that. You know, they, they, they're not giving up. Yes, the penalties, the mistakes, the bad situational defensive calls, or, or like you said, Odell Beckham just – he was sitting in the back of the end zone just waving for the uh, ball. Dude, oh, my God. So, oh yes, there, God. There, there's – we're a young team. Some of the coaching is, you know, it, you know it, it's okay. But uh, um, at least the effort's there for me. You know, I, I really can't appreciate that. I think Shanahan is doing a good job with these guys. I mean, we have backups upon backups upon backups in the game. Yeah, I hear you, but uh, this goes back to Shanahan himself picking certain players in free agency. Like, I, I we need to spend more money. Like, clearly, we need to spend more money. Look at the New York Giants. Just look at their offense, right? Evan Ingram, he's a, he's a good Tight end. Is he better than George Kittle? No, no. But he's very good. But Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard are better than any wide receivers you got. Straight up. Like, and I'm not even a Sterling Shepard fan. But Odell Beckham is a superstar. And well, that, Saquon that, Barkley looks like a superstar. Even though his numbers were very comparable to Matt Breida, he gets tough yards. Well, and that's what we've been asking for out of this franchise for years now. We still need that number one receiver. Breida loved the guy. He's balling out. He made a great but, catch to readjust in midair. Yes, but is he Le'Veon Bell? Is he Saquon Barkley? Is well, he Todd Gurley? No. I want Le'Veon in the offseason. Pair them up together. You need superstars at the wide receiver and running back position in the NFL and the tight end. We have the tight end covered. The offensive line looks really good. I'm, I'm really liking the offensive line. I agree. We still need to find those two playmaking weapons. Le'Veon Bell would look great in a Niner uniform next year and somehow find a way to find a number one receiver. You got to. You know, you sometimes you just need that big physical guy on the outside that you could throw the ball up to. We don't have that. We don't even have that at all. And there's just no guy that commands a double team in the passing game. There's no guy that dictates coverage. And then defensively, like, it's so obvious. You need a Demarcus Lawrence, Jadavion Clowney, Earl Thomas, you need like two or three legitimate veterans. And I'm not even saying any of those guys are in their prime. I think Jadavion still has a couple of really good years. And Demarcus Lawrence is an absolute force. And Earl Thomas might be past his you know prime. But these guys, all contributors. And you could use them so bad in that secondary. There was a play last night with Exum where he gets a horrible penalty. Like Witherspoon looking back because he didn't have coverage over the top. Richard Sherman has been unbelievable. Probably my favorite 49er this year. I want him to be a Niner for life. Huge Richard Sherman fan. And then something that just stuck out to me, Rocco. We were sitting great seats. but We were sitting right behind the 49ers bench. And I watched on the final drive as they got no pressure on Eli Manning. And Solomon Thomas was on the sideline doing like – like a like a drill to like warm up. 
like to warm up where he was like pretending to like slap hands and shit. I was like, dog, our number three pick can't even get in in pass rush situations on the final drive of a Monday Night Football game. What are we doing? I'm glad you brought that up because I was sitting up in the stands talking to Bonte at the time. And it was like a first and 10 on like the 50 for the New York Giants. And I'm looking on the sideline and I see 99 just standing there. And I, I look at Bonte, I'm like, why in the world is Buckner ever on the sideline? I, I don't get We rotate do you, way too much on the D-line. Do you ever see Aaron Donald on the sideline? I don't. Never. I, no, Never. I don't watch Rams games every Never. weekend. But I'm pretty sure he don't come off the field. Uh, Buckner, unless the game's over. Buckner is our impact player. I need to see him on the field in crucial, especially crucial situations. I know. All day long how about how about and the it's sequence just frustrating even armstead was on the sideline next to him so you're telling armstead's played well this year I, yeah, i've been impressed with well him. yeah but I, you're I telling agree. me on a first and 10 at the 50 your two best d linemen on the sideline i look on the field and you got earl mitchell yeah oh god and, how about and, how about when cassius marsh was rolling into coverage on the final play he's guarding saquon on a real route Robert was- Sala, how does that ever happen? And then he did the exact same thing with I forget who the other D lineman was. I I I, I just why are you dropping D lineman who can't cover into space? Know your personnel. Well, that's you put put your players in position position to succeed. You're blitzing the safety and a- asking Cassius oh Mark Marsh, who's he's not even a linebacker. No. He's a DN. So you're asking a DN to drop into coverage against Saquon Barkley? Unbelievable. So those those I don't know if that's young coaching or what it is, but that's got to change. No, that's stupidity. You 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 don't have to be a young coach to understand. Like, man, Cassius Marsh should never be in the flat trying to guard Saquon Barkley. Like, isn't that like a principle, like a, a staple? If I'm like coming in, I don't care if you're 21 or 61. Shouldn't you know? Like, yeah, Cassius Marsh probably shouldn't be in the flat trying to cover in a wheel route situation against Saquon Barkley on yeah. third and long. On a third down. Yeah, right, exactly. And then it's, it's just like uh, – and then in, this, in, the, in the red zone, they're running zone, and I'm like, there's one guy that you need to mark up. I don't care what your principles are as a defense. No one should ever run off of Odell Beckham. Ever. No. Yeah, there should be two guys right next to him every <laughs> I don't time. get it. You, you should almost line it up like a punt where you have two it, gunners – on the guy i mean he's that good he is that i know good. and there's i mean there was even a touch a play where beckham fell down and the ball was right in his Dude, hand and me and you made that me catch. and you looked at each other like oh he could have had that one too and he was wide open i know and i know he was and wide he, open and eli if he doesn't fall that's easy and eli missed him on a deep ball too completely under through a deep ball that he had I mean, somebody beat and to me those are to me those are simple things that's part of your game that's what plan i'm for, saying Game plan plan for the week. You circle like in, in baseball in the the playoffs. You so circle. So and so's circ- not going to beat us. Yes, exactly. Well, I agree. Same exact thing. And what happened? Odell Beckham beat us. I think it, it's inexcusable. And then Eli Manning, who I pronounced dead, it looked amazing and had three touchdowns. And I'm just like, it just makes me sick. It just it truly makes me sick. I just. I mean, doesn't he do that to us? Regardless, I hate him. I hate him. He I sees that he sees that Niner red and he just salivates. Who, who's a bigger SF killer? Is it the Harrison family or the Manning family? Ooh, ooh, it I, could be I the Manning. I hate them. Don't you? Yeah, but it just seems like they do it to us. They they 
causes remember, heartache. Remember that game? I don't know if it was the Mike Nolan era or the Mike Singletary era where we were in Indianapolis and we played them super tight. And then Dominic Rhodes threw a touchdown pass to like Marvin Harrison on like a, a halfback option pass. It was freaking brutal, dude. I hate the Manning <laughs> family. Oh my God. The worst part about it was like they should have won that game. Yeah, there's been a couple of games that like that. And, and and like you said, it's just leaving points out there. You know, you get in the red zone, especially hey, I'm okay with taking field goals every once in a while, but in the situation emergency. in the situation we were in, you know if we kicked the field goal and gave Eli Manning time, the defense it, was going to give it up. You just knew it, and that's why you needed 7 there. And, and you have to take the points obviously, but but once you don't get seven in that situation against a, a, a not an all time great, but one yeah, of the one of the, one of the classic, better, yeah, right, one of the classic. better quarterbacks of our generation, he's gonna make you pay, and he did. Yeah, and and that's where I go back to uh, complimentary football, where I feel like sometimes Kyle Shanahan, the offensive coordinator, gets in the way of Kyle Shanahan, the head coach, and he doesn't realize like. They blew a timeout, for example, on defense, and it's like, no, you needed that because you knew your defense was going to give up that touchdown no matter what. You needed right. to keep enough time on the clock so that you had a timeout for your offense because whoever had the ball last was going to win that game. Yep, and that, that's how that's exactly how it played out. He, that's it. Just seems like that's the style of coach he is. He's he's always going to be aggressive, and, and no matter the time and situation, and. Until he, it, it until he gets in the red zone. Until he gets in the red zone. And it, it just boggles my mind. Uh, let's talk about the Giants. I do want to talk about the Giants. They signed uh, Farhan Zaidi uh, from the Dodgers via the Oakland A's. This guy is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant baseball mind. He's one of the sabermetricians and one of the analytical nerds. But he's much more than that. <laughs> Chris Townsend knows him very well. I do a lot of shows with Townie. And he thinks it's one of the most brilliant hires the Giants could have possibly made. Um... And before we get into who he is, what he might do with the organization, I do want to ask you, longtime Giants fan, you know, how are you going to look at Brian Sabian? Because I think uh, amidst all of this, we are forgetting that Brian Sabian is probably going to the Hall of Fame, I think, easily. And he is one of the greatest GMs that this organization has ever had, if not the greatest. And that doesn't mean that the last few years weren't awful. And that doesn't mean that his body of work over the overall was not brilliant because it was clearly brilliant. He did a great job. We competed for many, many years. But it was time to make a change. I, I appreciate what Brian Sabian's done. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what Farhan can do. There's no doubt about it. I'm right there with you about Brian Sabian, but there always comes a point. It seems like that baseball has evolved into something different that that he's just not accustomed to. It it didn't seem like he was willing to uh, change. Mm -hmm. Maybe he just didn't know how to change. You know, he didn't have that knowledge. And they brought. I think they brought in the perfect guy. I looked down down south at the Dodgers farm system and the young players they're bringing up. Thank you for letting us get Farhan Zaidi because that's always what I've wanted our farm system to be. I, I wanted yeah, us loaded. to just – Well, loaded and just it, – but it's not even – they're loaded, yes, but they're developing guys. Well, I think like, that like, they've done a not, great job. Rocco, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think they've done a fantastic job identifying who can legitimately play, identifying who they should give the money to, identifying – value in a player who maybe hasn't popped yet like Justin Turner or Max Muncie or something like that and they they've they're bold like if you look at their moves they've made a lot of bold bold moves letting Granky go that was a great decision 
re-signing Jansen. That was a great decision. You know what I'm saying? So, like, they identify their own personnel very well, and then they find value in the draft. Like, for example, Arias, the, the pitcher, he looks like he's going to be a keeper. Walker Bueller looks like a superstar. And then I look at Cody Bellinger, and this is one of the things we're going to talk about when we ask about whether we should move Madison Bumgarner or not. You know, Bellinger was a fifth-round pick. Anyone could have had him. And he looks right. like probably the best player on the Dodgers right now. Right, and and, and that's where I'm at. Like, it, develop the the later round draft picks you know like, like absolutely it seems like we always rely on those those first rounders like i i just can't remember the last time where a, a, a guy in Buster. those fit but he was a first rounder like yeah. you ex- you expect those guys to come up and be impact guys yeah. right like e- even our first rounders though they're not impact superstar yeah. players like you look at panic was a first rounder you Gary know what i'm Brown. saying and, and for me Hopefully, Strat. like the first time we actually took a risk and get taken a guy with just tools, athleticism was Helio Ramos, and I want to see more of that. And it seems yeah. like he's willing to do that. Let's take a guy with superstar potential. Could he be a big time bust? Yes, but if we hit, we hit the jackpot, and and that's what I want to see from this Farhan Zaidi. Well, and I, I think also- he's willing to. I do, and I also think he's done a fantastic job in the international area as well because that's one of my biggest criticisms with Sabian, especially the last 10 years. Where's the international signings, bro? Where are the identifying of the, the Kenta Maedas, of the Ryus, of the Yasiel Puigs, of the Yoena Cespedes that you did in Oakland because that's what Farhan did there. Like, How are we losing out on all these international? We can't get one? Well, Joe, Joe, we were, we were in talks with all of them, though, Joe. We were in talks with all of them, but yes, close the deal, close the deal. And, and Zaidi and those boys down there knew how to close the deal with these international guys. Hopefully, he brings that up here because, like you said, we were we we're Shoho Otani, right? I we know. were involved in him. We got down to the last. What happened? How do we lose can't to the close. Angels? We we're can't in, close. We're in a huge market that's very diverse, and you can't get any of these guys. It was a big red flag for me, and hopefully that changes too. I mean, it seems like, you know, he got the Puigs, like you said, the Hyunjun, Ryus, Maedas. Let's see it. I'm ready. I'm excited for it. Yeah, and if you look at some of his decisions, like trading away some of the guys that I thought were untradeable, Adrian Gonzalez, like how did he move that deal? The Matt Kemp deal. How did he move that deal? Like, that's something that they need so bad. And so, uh, logically, everyone's saying, oh, well, this means Madison Bumgarner's traded. I don't necessarily think he's gone, nor do I think it's worth trading him, me personally. I think I want to keep Madison Bumgarner. I still need five starters. I don't think that this, oh, you have to get prospects in return and blah, blah, blah. Again, the best player on the Dodgers right now, in my opinion, for the next five years, everyday player, is going to be Cody Bellinger. Fifth round talent. You could find talent in all 40 rounds of the draft, in the international free agency, in regular free agency. You know, you could find it so many different places. That doesn't mean I have to give up the one player who can anchor my my starting lineup from a pitching staff perspective. And then not only that, and this is one of the subtle things that I brought up during my, my solo show a couple weeks ago. One of the guys they brought in before they won the World Series in 2010, in 2009, was Randy Johnson. And say what you will, Randy Johnson taught Lincecum, taught Matt Cain, taught Johnny Sanchez how to win. He taught them how to prepare like professionals. Who's that guy, if you move all these veterans, like who's going to be that guy for the Derek Rodriguez's of the world? And he's a great example. Derek Rodriguez is a great example. 
Anyone in baseball could have had Derek Rodriguez. He was a Twins cast-off. He didn't have a position. He wasn't a pitcher. Anyone could have had him. Giants swooped him up. Not only was he their best player last year, he was top five in the uh, Rookie of the Year voting. Like, you can find talent. That doesn't mean you have to give away the one guy who has value for your team. And, and see, and I, I agree with that. I'm not, I'm not as opposed to training Madison Bumgarner just because he's the guy with value. But to your point, if you do not trade him, it seems like Zaidi has found guys. He's he's found the Muncies. He's found yes. the Chris Taylor. He you know he traded for him from Seattle, I believe. Yes. He's found. I mean. Like you said, Justin Turner came out of nowhere. So it's it's he's identified guys that maybe, you know, later in their career or just didn't reach their potential, brought them in and developed them and, and saw something in them. And I'm hoping he could bring some guys in like that that where we don't have to get rid of are the face of our franchise, you know? Yeah. Get rid of the stuff around the edges, get rid of the yes. belts, get rid of the try to get rid of the Longorias. I'd much rather see that. I would much I would rather too. see that. But I do I, understand if I do understand if he does decide to move Madison Bumgarner. Will it be terrible for me? I would hate it. But I do understand if he has to do it, then he might have to do it. Philosophically, I understand where you're coming from, but I also think if you're going to lure any free agents, you need to have Madison Bumgarner here. Like that is one selling point you have to have if you're going to try to get free agents. Like I, I know we're trying to clear the decks for this, that, and the other. And I also think that he is very bold, Farhan Zaidi. Trading for Manny Machado as a rental player is as bold as it comes. That is a bold, bold move that they pulled off last year. I, I just don't ever – I could never picture Brian Sabian giving up that much to get a guy like Machado who they knew on the front end was going to walk. Like when they traded for Carlos Beltran – there was still like a little glimmer of hope they might re-sign him. You know what I mean? Right. And they gave up Zach Wheeler or whatever. People are still bitching about that. That was the right move at the time. Could you imagine Sabian giving up any prospect, though, from Andy Machado? No, but at the same time, have we ever had they, – they have Seager sitting in behind him waiting to come back from his injury. So really, what what is that? You know, they have studs everywhere. They're developing guys. So it doesn't matter if they give up a couple but guys from a rental. that's my point. That's my point. That's that's the difference in the philosophies of the two organizations. And I'm just I'm really excited. I'm ready to see who he hires as his GM. Word is it's going to be this guy Billy Owens from the Oakland A's, who's well respected, San Jose Bellerman guy. He's WCAL affiliated. Um, Townie says he's just he really knows his stuff when it comes to baseball. And you know what? One of the things people are sleeping. They're like, oh, he's a Dodger guy. He's also an A's guy. And that's one thing that I really love because that's one thing we've always said, like, man, could you imagine what the A's could do with the Giants payroll? Right. Well, that's right. kind of what they did down in L.A., and I exactly. really want to see what they're going to do exactly. up here. It was a really good mix of veterans that they paid a lot of money for and a ton of young guys. Yeah, I'm just glad it's 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 a f- facelift for this franchise. It's a fresh start. We It seems like we're now into the new age of baseball, and, and I'm just glad to see that. We've been asking for this franchise to go this direction for a few years now, so we wouldn't get down in the dumps, you know? I mean, we're or hit rock bottom, you know, and try to rebuild on the fly. So I'm just glad that we're into this new age. Let's get some power bats, some speed, some athleticism, athleticism on the field. I can't, I can't wait for it. I'm ready for this hot stove to start burning. I am too. Uh, one quick question. Yes or no on Bryce Harper? Yes. 
all day, yes, right? Yes, because he's because he's a young superstar. Yeah, you're if getting he, his prime if, years. Exactly. If he was a little older, I'd say no. If he was closer to 30, I'd say no. But he's right in the middle of his prime years. He's a young superstar. Those are exactly the kind of players that we need. Will I he agree. cost a lot? Yes. We're the San Francisco Giants, though. I agree. I don't want to hear about money. I agree. I totally agree, Rocco. All right, bro. It's good hearing from you. We're going to have to get one in later this week. All right, man. Any closing thoughts before we get out of here? Well, let's see for the, what happens on this plane f- flight to Houston with KD and Dre. And we'll, I'm sure we'll hear about it tomorrow when they touch down. Is Draymond a warrior one week from now? Yes. Yes. I don't think they pull the trigger that fast. I think they got to let it play out. I do think they owe it to the franchise to try to three-peat with the same group of core guys. But he's, you know, he he's a walk-in dynamite stick. You light that fuse, it's, it's bound to blow. So... We I will think, see what happens. It's going to be very interesting. I, I'm going to take the other side strictly for shock factor. I think taking money out of Draymond's paycheck, I, I feel like he's done, bro. I think that he's going to force his way out. I feel like he's out of here. He could be looking at KD like, you owe me 120 grand, bro. I, I mean, if Jordan Bell <laughs> wants to play guru for, you know, 10 grand, you don't think Draymond's pissed over 120? I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. All right, hit us up on iTunes, rate, review us. Rocco, have a great week, bro. Yep, right on. You too. Yep. So, you recognize game.